had a, a joke for you. Um, I was privileged to grow up in the South, and I had um, we had maids, um, and we did treat them really nice, really good, and so I'm trying try. <laughs> And this one particular one, Marie, was just had so many jokes, and and um, but one of them is poignant to today's lesson, and so it's about a preacher man who was very uh, worried about his congregation. They weren't accepting, you know, the goodness of of God, and and they were not reacting to his sermons like he thought they should. Um, they would just kind of sit there. There were no amens and, and hallelujahs coming out from the uh, congregation. And he just didn't know what to do. And so um, he decided that he was going to stage a miracle. So he sent one of the young boys from the congregation up into the belfry above the pulpit and gave him a loaf of bread. And he told him, he says, now, every time that I say, Lord, give me bread, I want you to drop a little bread down from the top of the, uh, of the, the, the belfry. And so he got up in the pulpit and he was preaching and preaching. He'd say, Lord, give me bread. And then some bread would drop down and the, the congregation was getting kind of excited, and he said, Lord, give me bread again, and the congregation was getting really excited, and he kept on going, Lord, give me bread, and some more bread would come down, and he kept on going. He had the congregation jumping up and down, yelling amen, and hallelujah, and, and dancing in the aisles and everything, and he kept going, and he kept going, Lord, give me bread, and more bread would come down. And then one last time, he says, Lord, give me bread. And the little boy looked down and he said, Lord, ain't got no more bread. Now, the Lord never runs out of bread. I want you to know that. But God gave the preacher everything he needed. The trouble is the preacher wanted more. He was so excited that he kept on going until the little boy ran out of bread. But God gave him all the bread he needed to do what he needed to do. And that's to get the congregation excited. And that's what God did to the Israelites. He gave the Israelites everything they needed to feed them on a day. He gave them one omer, which is a tenth of an ephod. And if you know what that is, you're better than I am. They were to eat it all up on the same day and not to hoard it. And not to um, keep it because it just spoiled. So that it, wasn't, um, it wasn't something to keep. It was what they needed for the day. God took care of the Israelites. God fed them manna for 40 years in the desert. And God gives us what we need. It's not always food. I know that in... My lifetime, um, God told me, you know, it's time for you to spend more time with your kids. 
And so I joined the band parents and I, I spent time with them in supporting them what they were doing. In my journey to the priesthood, God made it very clear to me that it was not my time, but God's time and God's schedule that I was on. And each one of these instances, God gave me what I needed to get through those times in my life. So in the gospel, we have a, we have a landowner. And this landowner goes out in the town square, a place much like Home Depot, uh, where there are day laborers, and it's, it's, a, it's almost an exact equivalent to uh, what we have today. And he promises to pay the first group the usual daily wage, the ones he picked up about sunrise. Because back then they worked from sunrise to sunset. And he said, okay, I'm going to pay you the usually daily wage, which is a denarius. It's one little coin, and it's called a denarius. And then he went out about 9 o'clock, and he hired some more, and then it went at noon and about 3 o'clock, and then he went out about 5 o'clock, a little before sunset, and he found some more out there that he said, well, why are you guys being so lazy and you're not working? He said, well, nobody's hired us. And he said, okay, come on, let's go to work. And so they go in there and they go to work. Um, so when it came time, the sunset, when it came time to pay them, he lined all the workers up and he gave the first, the last people hired a denarius. Okay, and then he gave the next group and the next group and the next group all the way up to the last group the usual daily wage. And the, um, the people that were hired early in the morning had been sweating in the hot sun all day and working really hard. And so when they saw that they didn't get more, even though they had agreed on the usual daily wage, just started to grumble. And the landowner was telling to them, saying to them, are you envious because I'm generous? So the question is, what do you think? Do you think the ones that worked longer should have gotten more? Do you think the landowner was fair? What do you think? I don't think so. <laughs> you don't think so? Okay. You don't we think so. It never go in our day. It never worked. <laughs> it never worked. <laughs> it never worked. But they agreed to the daily wage, right? That's what they agreed. They signed a contract. Verbal contract, which is legal. You know, that's, it is. But you've got to understand what the daily wage was. The usual daily wage, it was a denarius. And so is what people paid people that worked a day. And so, and that was, in that time, it was what a person needed to feed his family. If a person could make a denarius in a daily, in a day, then they could feed their family. They wouldn't get rich over it. It was a meager living, but it was what they needed. 
And uh, if you had more kids, the kids would be out there working too. So it's not like it's not like um, that a big family wouldn't get enough money. Um, so in God's economy, in God's economy, the landowner was paying each labor what he needed to feed his family. No more, no less. Just enough. If we stick to the allegory that a landowner is God, then God, once again, gives to each laborer what they need. However, the people that worked all day, instead of being thankful that they had the usual daily wage, what they needed, they started grumbling because they thought they were getting more. How many times have we compared ourselves to others for what they have and we don't have? And do we look at what this new car that our neighbor has or this shiny new Tesla that's rolling down the street and said, wow, come on, I don't have one of those. Um, or the new iPhone, the new iPhone 10 that just came out, new slick thing, or the new Series 3 Apple Watch. You know, I admit, you know, I kind of look at those things and say, hmm, I would really have that. I'm the techie type. But maybe we should focus on being thankful to God for what we have. Not what we don't have. That we don't have that extra denarius for our work that we agreed to just do for one denarius. The laborers who worked all day were disappointed they didn't receive more. Not grateful that they had what they needed. Now, gratitude. Gratitude is a kingdom value. It's a kingdom, a value of God's kingdom. God does not ask much of us. What God expects from us is thanks for what God has given us. At the offertory, we always say that we are thankful that we that what we have given is from God, what we have given is from God and we are giving that in gratitude so here's the catch this Sunday is the beginning of the stewardship season here at St. Luke's and you probably should have received a letter and a pledge card in your mail this week from the stewardship committee and this is the season with which we commit to do our part in funding the work that St. Luke's does as a part of building God's community, God's kingdom here on earth. And so what I urge you to do over the next few weeks is to Pray over that card, read the letter, pray over that card, and uh, 
see how you are going to respond in gratitude to all that God has given you over your lifetime in what St. Luke's does for you in this community. So my wife Shelley is the rector of the Episcopal Church in Almaden, and she has this wonderful way with words. And, and I want to leave you with her words on why she says you have this that why we pledge. As much as the local church needs pledges and funds, the goal is not to meet the budget, but rather the transformation of souls into the way of Jesus. An attitude of gratitude grows the individual soul, deepens its connection to God, and turns the mind and heart of the giver towards the needs of the world. Gratitude grows love and transforms lives. This is how the reign of God is built and extended in this world. Pledging is an invitation to express your gratitude to God by giving a percentage of your income to the work of building God's dream in this place. Pledging is an invitation to join in the mission and ministry of this church. Not only with your time and talent, but with your treasure as well. And I want you to remember that God never runs out of bread and always gives us what we need. Amen.